worship you Lord and I pray right now that you'll touch your people deeply in their hearts help them Lord receive by your spirit in Jesus name amen much has changed in my life and I'm sure in, in your life too we are in the most dangerous season I think in the world maybe ever maybe more dangerous than what we have seen in the past but but what's what's happening in the world is not as important as what's happening in the church because what's happening in the church what's happening in the church is much more important and I hear mostly from my children Michael and Jessica who are very well connected with what's going on with the younger crowds and ministries uh, they have a beautiful ministry called Jesus image and they have massive crowds in their meetings right now and you know we're very very close as a as a family and my dear amazing son-in-law Michael began to tell me a few years ago about the questions young preachers are having now about the Bible at first I didn't believe it I thought maybe it, maybe, maybe not many of them are, are, are questioning the word. Well, I began to hear it from other people <clears throat> and other pastors, young pastors I'm talking about. And finally, I began looking into it myself. I thought, no, I need to see what's going on. And I did. And um, I've spoken to a number of them on, on Zoom I've had a, a number of these meetings, especially recently. And, and to my amazement, a lot of these uh, young people that God is using throughout the world, many of them have very large ministries, were in some way or another were touched in one of the crusades. And it was, you know, wonderful hearing it from many of them. I talked to one this morning from Portugal with a letter a big, big, large ministry, and he was telling me how when he was younger, how the Lord touched him and so forth. And yeah, it's very moving, very touching when someone tells you how the Lord has used you to touch their life when they were young. And I've, you know, even asked some of them, is that true what I'm hearing? And here's what I have heard. Number one, uh, some, not all, some are questioning, now these are the crowd I'm talking to, okay? Some are questioning, is Jesus the only way to heaven? That's very troubling to me. It's troubling because when someone questions any part of the scripture, well, what, what then? And, and sadly, the reason they're questioning the word is because they don't know the Bible. And, uh, and what they don't know is the Old Testament. See, this is very, very critical. We cannot believe the new without the old. You, you cannot believe Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John if you don't know the, the prophets. Now think, think about this. 
Not one book of any other religion has prophecy in it. Not even one. Did you know that? Not even one prophecy in any book of any religion on the globe. How many prophecies in the Bible? 2,500. 2,500 prophecies in the Word of God. How many fulfilled? 2,000. In details. That should convince some people that the Bible is the Word of God. So, when you, when, you, when you look at the authority of Scripture, it's all around us. So about seven years ago, I'm watching Netflix, and I like watching history, you know, not the crazy stuff. And the Lord said, and the Lord said, cancel it. So I did. I called Lance, who works for us at that time in Cali. I said, come cancel it. So he did. And the Lord spoke afterwards. He said, now, I want you to cancel cable. I did. Direct TV. I did. Now, God is not asking you to do that. He asked me to do that. And then the Lord said, I want you to learn Hebrew. Well, I knew Hebrew when I was a little boy in Israel, but I did not know it like I know it now. So, I did not think they would accept me in Hebrew University because the only place you can really learn Hebrew, good Hebrew, is in Israel. So, I called to my shock, they accepted me. Now, look, I'm almost 70. I should have done this when I was in my 20s. But when God spoke, I did it. But listen, listen. Why did I do it? I did not do it so I can preach better. I did it because I wanted to know the Word. Because there's a lot about the Bible... There's a lot about the Bible that is, you know, people question, well, I see a contradiction. What they don't know is it's translation, not contradiction. So one day, one day I'm, I, I said, Professor Seagal, I said, there's a portion, because I did not know all the little difficult vowels and the dots and the commas and you name it, uh, 24 musical notes in the Old Testament. Can you believe it? 24 just musical notes alone in the Bible. I didn't even know they even existed. Anyways, so I questioned one little dot, and I said, what, 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 what is this dot in there? Oh, she said, that brings the owner in. I said, what do you mean brings owner? Well, she said, for example, if you see the word Seuss, which is for a horse, if you see a dot at the, inside the last letter of the word, it's his horse. It brings the owner in with a, with a little dot. And then I understood, oh, that's why Jesus said not even a little, nothing can be removed. Think about the power of God's word that a little dot, a little dot can change the whole meaning. From horse to his horse, all that stuff. So heaven and earth will pass away, but not my word, he said. Not even a jot or a tittle. And a jot is the smallest letter like a yod. Probably somebody don't even know what I'm saying. doesn't matter. But think about the smallest letter in the Hebrew alphabet is a little yod. You can't even see it. And the Lord said, not even that can, can be removed. Which means even a little yod or a little letter or a little dot is more powerful than all creation. 
Now, let me say this. Let me say this. The devil never questioned the authority of the Bible. Because when Jesus said it is written, the devil never questioned that. So shame on those who are questioning the Bible when the devil himself did not question the Bible. Think, yeah, it is good, my dear. It is good. If the devil did not question the Bible, what are they doing questioning it? Because they're, they're losing their head. Thank you. Look, look, you cannot defeat Satan with experience. Okay, think about this, okay? The Lord is in the river Jordan. He's baptized. God speaks, this is my son. The devil heard that. All the angels heard that. All the devils heard that. A few days go by, and Satan comes to the Lord and says, if you are the son of God. Hold it, hold it. This was only a few days later. After God spoke, he said, this is my son. The devil comes, if you are the son of God. Now, Jesus could have easily said, weren't you there? Didn't you hear God say so? But he did not. Because he knew you cannot defeat Satan with experience. So he said, it is written. So, it is written is more powerful than experience. More powerful than signs and wonders. More powerful than atmosphere. It's the word. So you have people today running after what? Signs and wonders. Give me a word. Give me a prophecy. They're, they're ignoring the word and want a word from some prophet who doesn't know what he's saying. I'm sorry. I'm, I lost my filter. Some of the prophecies today are psychic because they expose people to danger. God never exposes you to danger. Anything that goes outside redemption is not the Bible. Are you, are you listening? Yeah. So the, all prophecy has a border. It's called redemption. So you have to ask when someone gives you a word, what has this got to do with my redemption? If it has nothing to do with your redemption, dismiss it. And the people said, good, we're, we're in the right place now. So what I want to talk to you about is not just the authority of the Bible, but let me just give you a little more on this because I think it's so important because you probably have, have some friends that come to you and ask you why you believe what you believe. So my son came to me one day and said, my friends want to know how come Jesus is the only way to heaven. I said, you go tell your friends because he's the only one who died and rose. I said, the fact that Jesus rose from the dead qualifies him to be the savior of the world. 
I said, all those others, sit down, sit down, sit down. Sit down, please. I said, all those others are dead. And they have a grave. I said, Jesus rose from the dead. Now, wait, wait, hold, hold, hold. So, some will say, well, I don't believe that. Well, you know what? There are 40. Now, even if they don't believe the Bible, okay, which we all do, think about it. Come on, please. 2,500 prophecies and 2,000 fulfilled to the dot. That should be enough convincing, but some people are a little <laughs> crazy. So, there are, there are 40, 40 historical documents by historians from that day that show with proof, historical proof, that Jesus died and rose from the dead. These are historical documents. How many about Caesar? Ten. Yet the world believes that Caesar existed. But how many about the Lord? Forty. Four zero. So they believe Caesar reigned in Rome, but they question that the Lord lived on earth when he has more proof than Caesar. But God is really smart. Real smart. He knew they, there would be people who would not believe the Bible or history, so he's now revealing it through archaeology. Real stuff. Go dig it, it's all there. The city of David today in Israel is the most powerful proof of the Bible. Do you know that they're using the Bible and only the Bible today as a roadmap to archaeology? So when the Bible says it's there, they go dig, and it's there. I was there. I was there when they were digging for the steps by the pool of Siloam, which is in the Bible. The book of Ezra talks about steps that went up from the pool to the temple that nobody could even find for 2,000 years. While they are digging, I'm there. Physically. My guide, Shraga, said, I want to show you something. I go stand and I see these people digging dirt. And there's steps that are now exposed. So I began digging with them. And guess what? As I'm digging, I find coins. 2,000-year-old coins with names of individuals that lived back then. You know what I did with them? I cleaned them, stuck them in my pocket. Don't tell me the Bible is a lie. Don't tell me the scriptures have no foundation. No, no, never. God has proven it again and again and again. But for us, we don't need archaeology. We don't need history. We only need the Word of God. That's it. Now, when you read the Word... Now, I'll give you some maybe later. When you read the, the, the specific, like Micah 5, 2, it like blow you away, you know, about that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem and he is from everlasting. Or like Isaiah 50, it just is, is, is a, it'll knock you out. I gave my back to those who struck it. Who else did that? Not Isaiah, and my cheeks to those who plucked off the hair. 
fulfilled in the, in the Gospels. And I can keep you here all night giving you prophecy after prophecy after prophecy just to knock you out. I don't need to. I think you all people are fine. But those others just don't know the Bible. So, I think we have to make a decision tonight that we are going to finish this race stronger than when we began. All right? I already, I have already made my decision. I will finish better than I started. But, but wait, 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 wait. How? The Word. Get to know your God through the Word. I'll give you a quick story, and then I'm going to get to what I want to... In fact, I'm, I'm teaching tonight on how to prepare yourself for heaven. That's very important because we're almost there. So in case you ha you're not prepared, I'm going to fix you up tonight. So, but I'm going to just show you the danger of not knowing the Bible. A pastor who's gone now, a pastor, young pastor in Orlando, Florida, big church, dynamic, 5,000 people, used to help me in my crusades and announce healings. So I invited him to come with me to Greece, Athens, Greece. He came. And then we were going to Israel, and on the way we were also stopping in Patmos, now, Patmos is the little island where John received the revelation. So, we are sitting, and it, look, it was a big job even being allowed to sit right by the cave out there because they had to stop the tourists from going into the cave at, in Patmos, and I had to pay the priest a lot of money to allow, to allow us to sit there. And Jeff Pittman has all this on tape, by the way. We still have it. So this, this young preacher sitting next to me were doing programs teaching on prophecy, on revelation. So we did four programs. One, two, three, four. And he did not say a word, not a word. Finally, I said, listen, uh, I flew you here first class. I paid your hotel. It's time you work. So he stares at me. He got a little nervous. He said, I know nothing about the book of Revelation. Now, this man had a big church, okay? I said, what are you doing being a pastor? He got upset. He said, well, you're dealing, word for word, you're dealing with God's agenda for the ages. I'm dealing with my people's troubles. I said, what does that mean? And then he said, oh, that was a bad moment. Then he said, I have no time to read the Bible. I said, what do you read? What are you giving your people if you're not reading the Bible? Oh, he said, I read books. Books about what? I said, oh, he said, books on subjects that will help my people, you know, manage whatever. And then, you know, I got quite upset with him. I said, what other books have you not read besides Revelation? He said, well, I read Genesis and I read most of Exodus. 
and I read some of Leviticus, and basically he did not really know the Old Covenant, and he read the Gospels and the Epistles, I said, you are in danger. I said, Satan is waiting for that one moment when your weakness will show up and he'll destroy you. Ah, never happened. He said, I'm, I'm anointed. I said, it has nothing to do with it. Many anointed men in the, in the, in the Bible were, were also cast away. Balaam is one of them. Saul is another. Judas was another. I said, that's no guarantee that God will keep you just because you have the anointing for a ministry. He went to New York, got back on drugs, and died. He died. He's, he's dead. How do we know that? His wife told my wife. That's how we know that. I'm warning you, all of you, the devil is waiting to destroy individuals. You know, what, what people don't realize is, in Matthew 12, it talks about how demons go looking for vacancy. What, what are they looking for? Signs and wonders? That doesn't stop them. You talking in tongues and prophesying? That doesn't stop any either. Are they full of the word? If they are, no space for demons. If you lack the Bible, that's a door. Are you listening? If you lack the scriptures, the devil will know and get in there and grab you by the throat. Otto Roberts told me years ago, every one of us, every human being, has weaknesses only God and you know about. And when you're not living the life, those weaknesses come right back. Only the Word of God can control those things. Are you listening? If there's no word, they get loose in there. And the devil is waiting for one of them to get loose and he'll grab that thing and get in there. So we need to get back to knowing the scriptures. And the people said, all right. Now, I'm, I'm going to take an offering now and I'm going to pray that the Lord will, will seal your life with his presence, okay? And I will, I'll pray for the sick for just a few minutes. We'll be, we'll be gone by 8 p.m. We have less than 15 minutes. But listen, you need to secure your future also financially. So I just showed you how to secure your future spiritually and eternity. Now, what do I do to protect myself financially from the coming disaster that we can all see is coming? Because it is coming. Wait, wait, darling, wait. I'm not ready yet. Let me just talk to him, okay? Because we have to realize that the Bible clearly states this world will see a collapse of some sort financially. No, no, you cannot trust uh, people who say, uh, uh, fill your, your, your garage or basement with food so when the day comes, you'll have food. No, no, because your neighbors will come and steal it. We're, we're, our trust is not in ourselves or our ability. Or I'm going to invest my money so I don't lose it. If you're not walking with God, you will lose it. 
Here's the promise. I have not seen the righteous forsaken or a seed begging for bread. Our trust is in the Lord. Our trust is in his word. I have been in ministry, it'll be 48 years this December, saved over 50 years, and I can tell you, I have had to learn the hard way that giving really works to protect your future. It was my father-in-law, Roy Harden, who had to challenge me on giving because I was not a giver. When I got saved, my pastor at that time, dear David Story in Canada, came and said, why don't you tithe? I said, that's not your business. <laughs> how wrong I was, how foolish to say that to a pastor. Why aren't you giving? I said, that's between God and me. No good. Now, I'm about to get married to Suzanne, my wife. Her father says, tell me about yourself. So we talk. And then he says, how much do you give weekly to God? I said, that's between God and I. He said, listen here. I'm about to become your father-in-law. It's between God, you, and me. <laughs> and then he said, he said, I will not let my daughter marry someone who's not a giver. Boy, he challenged me massively. And I was in debt in those days because I went on TV too early. I was 24 years old when I went on TV in Canada. And dear Lord, I was in debt for 200000 in no time. And Roy began asking me questions about how much I gave and all the numbers, even details. And, I, and he said, well, how much did you give? And well, I, sometimes I give 20, sometimes I give 10, sometimes I give, and then he said, you know, he said, I've been sitting here wrecking my brain, wondering why a young man, an evangelist, with big crowds is in debt. I know why now. I said, please tell me, I want to know. He said, you are an emotional giver. Wow. And then he said, emotional giving is cursed by God. He said, you just told me that sometimes you give 20, and then you give 10, then you give 30, then you give 5. He said, that's emotional. I said, how? He, he said, how would you like for God to give you the way you've been giving him? I said, he does. Sometimes the offerings are big, and sometimes they're not. <laughs> and then he gave me a line. I changed my life. He said, Benny, the law of giving is a fixed law that you cannot change. And then he said, how long have you been saved? I'm thinking, what has, has this got to do with it? I said, well, this is not, now it was 1978. I said, well, I, I was saved in 72. He goes, 73, 74, 5, 6, 7, 8. He said, you owe God for six years. I said, what did you say? He said, go pay God all you did not pay him for six years. I said, you can't be serious. He said, the, and he, he gave me the scripture from Leviticus. If I don't give, God will penalize me. <laughs> that really was scary. I had 20,000 in the bank. That's it in our ministry, 20,000. I was challenged to give God not only what I owed him, but continually give him from here on, not because I feel good or bad, because it's the word of God. And then I said, but I'm in debt. 
I owe the TV station money. He said, and then he said another big, big line. He said, if you pay God's bills, he'll pay yours. And that was like, bang, big news for me. So I went back to Canada. I told my secretary, who was a very old woman that could only type with one finger. She wasn't much to look at because I was too handsome and I didn't want a pretty, a pretty secretary around. So I hired a very old lady that didn't look at all. It doesn't matter. I said, Marian, get the checkbook out. She did. I said, God spoke to me through Roy Harden that I need to start giving. And I said, okay, send, a, and I sent $1,000, $20,000 to preachers in Canada that hated me. Oh, yeah, it's good. I didn't send them money because I like them. I sent them money because I was scared to death. I wanted God to bless me. I was in debt already, in trouble. And now she called my board. Nine board members show up, nine of them. I had nine board members. That was really stupid. Seven resigned. They said, we don't, we don't want to be a part of a ministry of a madman who gave away money. And they're gone. Now, that was on, on a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I'm home. Sunday, I go, I go to church. Ten cents in my pocket. That's all I had, ten cents. Offering time comes. God says, give it. I said, Lord, you can't be serious. I just gave you $20,000. It's the last ten cents I got. Please don't let me give it. I was so convicted. I gave that ten cents. My life went with it. No gas in my car. But you know what happened that Next Monday morning, I get to the office. A man named Bill Prankard, who did not like me then, he and I today are very, very close. We love each other dearly. I just talked to him three days ago. He did not like me at all. I didn't like him either. <laughs> he sent me an envelope, and here's what it says. The Lord told me to send you this, and I don't know why. <laughs> There's $1,000 in that envelope. And I'm thinking, oh, Lord, I can't believe this man who hates me is, is doing this. It must be real. Six months later, I was out of debt. You know, wait, wait, wait. People were sending me in the mail. And, and this is Canada, not U.S. At that time, they were real tight over there. God told me, God told me, God told me I was out of debt in six months. Listen, it's really for real. So, how many of you believe God will protect you in the future financially? Put your hands up high. All right. Keep your hands up. Lord, I believe with them. Lord, I believe every one of them in this auditorium will be protected from the coming days and the dangers that are coming with it. In the name of Jesus, not one will lack not one family will lack food, clothing, shelter, and a whole lot more. In Jesus' mighty name, say amen. amen. Well, it's time to give one more time. All right? And, I, and, I, and I'll tell you, the Lord will bless you because it says, honor the Lord with your substance and the first fruits of all your increase. So shall your barns be filled with plenty. Okay, you can come now and give them the envelopes.
And pastor, please come up. I'm going to give you the platform back. Hallelujah. I want every one of you to give something because you need to give. You need to give. This is not for us or me. This is for you. This is really crucial that you give. Because the day will come, you will be glad you gave. And you continue to give in your churches to other ministries because this will protect you tremendously. I'm a witness. I'm a witness. I can keep you here all night and share with you story after story of how God met my needs over the last 48 years in ministry. And believe me, I've had bigger troubles than you'll ever have. But God is faithful to his word. A faithful man will abound with blessings. Abound means overflow. No lack in your homes. No lack with your, with, with your children. None. When you really give. But listen, listen. You have to give not because you feel it. That was what was wrong with me. I had to feel it. Uh-uh. You give because God said it. Because he said, it shall be given unto you when you give. Only when you give, it protects our tomorrow. Lord, bless them, speak to them, and establish them in your mighty name. I give you the praise. Amen.